Ready for some word today? Yes. Praise God. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, uh, I want you to find, if you would, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. If you've been with us over the last couple of months, you know I've been teaching this series called Right Living in a Wrong World. And uh, I've found that this series could go for a year. It's not going to. <laughs> it's just there's a lot in the Word of God that we could talk about that would fit in the context of this. And uh, in, in short, what we're referencing is right living follows right being. The, the starting point for our lives is to get right with God. That's faith in Jesus' finished work, right? That's when we're made the righteousness of God in Christ. I, that's not, that doesn't have anything to do with what we do or how we behave. It has to do with faith in what He did for us. That's the starting point. Our righteousness is found in Him. But there is a, another side of the coin that the Scriptures also teach, even in the New Covenant, right living. All right, right being is the starting point. Second point is right living. And it says in Philippians that God works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He works to the end that we would want to do right and that we would be able to do right. Amen. And so none of us are without help or without ability and we're just stuck in our old patterns of goofiness. No, God is inside of me. With, with a, I mean, I've got a good teammate. With God and me, we can do anything. How about you and God? Yeah. And this is how we live right in a world that's goofy, come on, and just seems to get more bizarre every day, the things that people think is normal. I mean, the only thing I can conclude is they've been, many have been given over to a depraved mind. And Romans chapter 1 speaks about how that can happen when someone intentionally rejects the ways of God. Uh, but we've got to navigate this life through this so that we live consistently. So our confession of Jesus as Lord and, and, and the Word of God and so forth is followed with or enjoined with act actions that match it. All right? We're not walking contradictions, confusing the believer, being a distaste in the mouth of the world. Right? Remember the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, how many know tasting the Lord directly is a little bit of a challenge? <laughs> how, how, how does one typically taste um, the Lord? Well, if, if, if Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, the fruit doesn't grow off of the vine, but the fruit grows off of the branches. Us. So people, in one sense, you could say they get a taste of God by what's being produced out of our lives. Not just who we say, I believe in the Lord, or I have a bumper sticker. Or, no, by the fruit that's come, coming out of us. They taste the Lord by coming into contact with you. Amen. Yeah. So make sure people get a good taste. <laughs> Praise God. In the book of Ephesians, we read previously from the first part of, of chapter 4 where it says we should walk worthy of our calling. We're interested in, in our walk matching our calling. Worthy calling, worthy walk. Our worthy walk includes love and unity, telling the truth, being givers and not takers. These are conditions of the new creation in Christ. 
And it's true that being saved initiates all these righteous behaviors, but it still takes intentional effort to yield to them, okay? I know who I am, but now I'm purposefully yielding myself to the spirit of love and unity and, and truth and righteousness. And, and, and this takes real effort on our, on our behalf. And, and so I want to pick up in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Can you find verse 29? If you have it, say, I got it. I got it. Verse 29 reads, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. All right. So, so, so look at the language. Let it not proceed out of your mouth. In other words, it might get in your mouth. <laughs> Don't let it come out. What do I mean? Corrupt communication may come to mind. You may have thoughts, and your thoughts say, say this, tell this person this, you know, let this out in your mouth. But he said, no, don't let it. If it's corrupt, you have to have a corrupt filter. And it goes to the corrupt filter, and you say, not going to say that word. Not going to say what I think, what I feel in this situation. That is inconsistent with my Lord. It is inconsistent with the character and nature of God and who I am in Christ. I'm going to stop that word from coming out of my mouth. Amen. That little difference right there. Those who stop the corrupt word from coming out and those who let it fly. That, is, that makes one of the biggest differences in people's lives. And the very quality and condition of their life. It, those who learn how to stop that, those who learn how to not let it proceed and go any further are those who succeed, those who are a blessing, those, they are, they are a picture of God in the earth, okay? Those who don't, they, they are shooting themselves in the foot, they are a nightmare to everyone who lives with them, Yeah. We must learn how to not let it proceed. But it begs the question, what is a corrupt word? Is that a good question? What is a corrupt word? I like the Amplified Bible on this verse, and it helps to define what a corrupt word is. Um, let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out your mouth but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor, to those who hear it. So I'm seeing two sides of the coin again. I'm seeing the, the grace words and the corrupt words. And the corrupt words... Is this foul, polluting, evil, unwholesome talk? All right? I would, I would include, I mean, you think about it. How would you define a corrupt word? Okay? I would include profanity. I would say, no, I'm a believer now. I shouldn't talk like that anymore. Right? I would include gossip. Probably certain types of jokes that are crass. Dirty jokes, as some people might, might say. I would say complaining would probably be in this category. Gossip, criticism. There are other words you could probably add, but that would be 
considered corrupt words. That he's, he's telling believers now, if you're a believer, you confess the Lord Jesus, don't talk like that anymore. That's a part of the old guy. That's a part of who you used to be. Now you're saved, you must learn to speak a new language. Come on, how many, I, I met someone this morning that f they came from another country and English is their second language. They had to learn English to live here. I mean, to thrive here. It's, people live, I guess. Makes it more difficult. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right, Hokali from India. <laughs> Did you grow up learning, knowing English? A little bit. All right, uh, but you have to, if you enter a new culture, you have to learn the language, right? If you enter the kingdom of God, you have to learn a new language. Whereas in the world, corrupt language was pretty common, pretty normal, right? Uh, when you get saved, you need to learn how to speak God, right? Speak, speak grace words, speak uplifting words, and it is entirely a new language, I can remember, and I was a believer, but I, when I first uh, found out about the, the power that was invested in my words, because that's how God created the universe, I found myself saying all kinds of things, and I'm not talking about four-letter words, I'm just talking about negative words. And I thought, oh, I say this all the time. I say these things. And it took a little training. I mean, no, learning a new language, that's, I think that's hard. <laughs> All right, uh, learning a whole new language, learning how to speak God, speak heaven's language. It takes a little bit of work, takes a little bit of effort, but it is so worth it. And he's saying, this is, this is what it's all about. See, some language we could say is unbecoming of Christians. Just like a, a behavior, someone might say, you know, this, this act was unbecoming of, a, of an officer. When you, when you become a believer, there are certain things that you can do them, but they don't match who you are. They are un unbecoming for you. And, uh, and I don't see how, how we are ever going to clean up our behavior without cleaning up our talk. I don't think I'm going to consistently be able to live one way and speak the other. I can't live righteous while speaking unrighteous. I can't live in a godly way with corruption coming out of my mouth. And so that's, that, that's one of the things that people get in trouble with. I, I'm struggling to do this. I'm struggling to control this area of my life. Well, what are you saying about it, though? Good. What words are coming out of your mouth? And we can intentionally curb this to the point where we're not harming ourselves. But, but, but how much trouble um, has come to people because of what they said? If I just would have kept my mouth shut. <laughs> I think about it in, in this way. How much trouble have I avoided because I didn't say the, the wrong thing at the wrong time? I think that's probably, even though we've probably all reaped the repercussions of some of our wrong words, we've also avoided a lot of trouble because in certain moments we didn't say what we thought. We didn't say what we felt. We didn't say, and I'm talking about on the negative side, I held my tongue and it saved me what? It saved me, you, you fill in the blank, it saved me a lot of trouble, okay? Some of us wouldn't be here today had we said what we thought in that moment. Because our whole life would have went a di different direction. But we closed our mouth and said something correct. 
But I, I was thinking about, you know, how, how words affect us and how our words affect other people. I mean, uh, so many of us can remember words spoken during our childhood by a parent or by a teacher or by someone, someone else, and it was not a positive. Sometimes you remember those as well, but sometimes on the negative side, someone said something and it was piercing to where decades later you can still recall the conversation. Decades later, you almost feel it. Maybe you can feel it. But it's that, it, the picture is like the arrow, you know, you, the, the bow and arrow. The arrow is released and you can't get it back. How many have realized that at times when you've said things, and I wish I could grab that back. But it's out, it's out there. It's like, uh, it's like posting something on social media. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever online these days, it lives forever. You know, beware of taking pictures of certain types, <laughs> saying certain things. They will come back to haunt you. <laughs> Hallelujah. J James said this in chapter three, verse two. He said, if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man able to bridle the whole body. Anybody interested in being able to control your whole life, your whole body? It's the picture of the bridle in the horse's mouth, and that's how the, the rider controls that horse. We control our lives by what we speak. Well, I want my life to go in a different direction. Okay, you can do that. Say, how? Start talking that way. Let your words line up with your goal. Let your words line up with what you want to be. But again, sometimes we, don't, we miss this principle so we say one thing while we're trying to go the other way. I'm trying to achieve this and I'm saying the opposite. Trying to be a winner but speaking like a loser. Trying to be victorious but speaking like a defeated person. I'm trying to be healed but speaking sickness and disease. I'm trying to be, uh, to walk in love but speaking hate. And... Amen. Some of the hallmarks of Christians that we've talked about in the last few weeks, we don't we don't lie, we don't steal. Remember, givers are not takers. And, uh, and this is another one. We don't speak corrupt words. It's not who we are. If you're a believer, it's not who you are. Say, well, you haven't been around me when, I, when, I'm, when I'm angry. Well, that's why we're teaching, because it's not who you are. You're acting contrary to who you are in Christ. And it doesn't need to dominate you. There's forgiveness, but there's also control. Yeah? Amen. He, uh, he goes on, the latter part of this verse, he says, we're, we're supposed to speak words that impart grace to the hearers. We're supposed to say things that build other people up. That's a noble goal, isn't it? We just want to say things that bless and and so it is easy for us to define corruption when you contrast it with that. Saying words that put people down. Saying words that put yourself down. Saying words that are, that are opposite of God's promise. Saying things that contradict the very nature of God. Where do those thoughts come from? They don't come from the Lord. But we need to speak words that impart grace. And how many know, if you want to find out what someone's about, want to find out who they are, Listen to them long enough. Listen to them long enough, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. You listen to someone long enough, your, your words will reveal 
your hearts. Now, now notice verse 30, Ephesians 4.30, and do not grieve the Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Okay, this is very powerful for us to see uh, a picture of who God is and, and that He is not robotic. He is not uh, a Vulcan, right? right? He, he, is, he is not emotionless. God created you and me. He created us with emotions. All right, they should be controlled, but he created... God has emotions. And according to this, we're, Christians are told not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Can the, can, can the Holy Spirit be grieved with a saved person? That's an interesting concept. Because, you know, there is the notion that he's always happy with everything once you get saved. And, uh, and that's not correct, my friends. That's not correct. Parents, do you love your kids no matter what? Are you sometimes fired up about the way they behave? <laughs> Yet you're not kicking them out of the family and you still love them. But <clears throat> do they ever grieve you? See, that's the same relationship we have with the father. It's not just, uh, he doesn't have perma smile on his face. It's a real relationship. This is not just, uh, you know, it's not just about a, a, a program. He's a, he's a person. Other translations use these words, make sad, bring sorrow, disappoint, hurt. He said, don't grieve, don't hurt, don't bring sorrow to, to the Lord, to, to, to the Holy Spirit. Okay, think about, what the, think about the Holy Spirit's job for a moment. One of his, one of his jobs. He, he, sa he says, says in this verse, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. How am I sealed? Well, ABCs of salvation go like this. When someone's born again, their spirit is made alive. Their spirit is born again. Their body is not born again and their soul is not born again right? Their spirit is born again. It's made alive. That's the part of us that he seals. Everybody with me? He, he seals. He becomes like the barrier. He is the shield that keeps sin from killing it, right? If that were not the case, we would have to get born again, 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 right? Because you, you would sin and your spirit would die. You'd be separated from God and you'd be lost forever without him. So you'd have to answer every altar call every Sunday. <laughs> what happened? I sinned. I died again. I spiritually died again. No, but you don't spiritually die again by sinning. I, I don't mean it's not an issue, but it doesn't take away your salvation when you do wrong. Why? Because there's the Holy Spirit there with a shield. He has sealed us, and therefore we don't spiritually die by every sin we commit, and so we don't have to get, and it's unscriptural, to be born again again. Right? I mean, really, I guess Adam got born again again because he got born again backwards. He went from life to death, and then in Abraham's bosom, he went from death to life before he ascended on high and is in heaven. Okay, but as far as us, we don't get born again again. The Holy Spirit is there taking the brunt of it. And I'm, I'm thinking about this. We grieve him. How, how do we grieve him? Well, when he's got more work to do. 
to keep us saved, <laughs> to keep us righteous. In other words, the things that we are doing or saying are bringing grief. They're causing him as that barrier to keep all that stuff away from us. And so I don't want to be treating him like I'm seeking comfort one minute. I'm seeking direction one minute. Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Tell me how to invest in the stock market. Tell me which home to buy. Tell me which people to be with. Tell me what to do. Guide my life. And, and, and at the same time, I'm doing things that are causing him to groan. All right. Have you ever noticed that this verse is right next to the other verse. <laughs> Do not grieving the Holy Spirit is following let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. I can see how probably the primary way that I would grieve the Spirit is by speaking corrupt words. In other words, what's the logic for doing this? Don't do it because it's not who you are in Christ. Don't do it because it brings real damage to you and to others. Don't do it because you've got the Spirit of God who sealed you. He's on the inside of you, and it brings Him grief when you say things that are contrary to the very character, nature, and ways of God. When I disagree with His promise and His, His will for my life with my words, that's grieving. Is that, is that enough motivation? All right. And so we want to watch this area. In verse 31... He continues and says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So see the opposites? We've got the bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. And then over here, the opposite is kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. The old man, the new man. The old way, the new, that's who I used to be. That's how I responded, reacted. That's what I let live in me. Now I don't do that anymore. All right? I used to hold things against people. I used to allow bitterness. How many know bitterness is not only anti-God, but it's anti-long life? It's anti-health. It's anti a whole bunch of things that we want. And he says, get that stuff out of you. Put it away. It'll come knocking on your door, try to resurrect itself in your life, but say, no, I'm a new creation in Christ. That's who I used to be, but I am that no longer. And so I'm not going to entertain this, th th these, these feelings. Bitterness is resentment towards others and malice and venom. Wrath is vehement passion, hatred and rage that is expressed. Anger is indignation and vengeance. Clamor is an outcry and uproar. Evil speaking comes from the word blasphemy. All right? All that stuff. No, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to allow that to, to remain in me. See, one of the things that, that exists in all believers is we have the ability to exercise a thing called self-control. Self-control is one of the items listed in Galatians 5 as fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. Who, who control? Self-control. Not God control. Self-control. That means I control my life, my decisions, my words, my, uh, my thought life. I control. This is... Uh, 
again, this is one of, one of the descriptions of the believer. The opposite is the person who goes into a rage. They yell and scream. They throw things. They break things when they're, you know, when they disagree. Everybody say, that's not who I am. Say, I threw something this morning. <laughs> That's why you're here. Not so I can kick you while you're down and call you a rascal. So I can tell you, by the Spirit of the Lord, that's not who you are. And, 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 and that action cannot be embraced as normal for you. It, it, can't, be, it can't be accepted, okay? Uh, we as believers, this is how we are. It's how you are. We don't fly off the handle. We don't cuss people. We don't give them hand signals on the road. <laughs> Say, I do. No, you don't. Not anymore, you don't. That dude died when you got saved. If you're not saved yet, welcome to your resurrection day. In a moment, we're going to pray. For those who are saved, you don't do that anymore. <laughs> Everybody say, I, I don't do that stuff. No, that's not who we are. See, see that's, that, that's an unworthy walk. And no, we're going to walk worthy of our, of our calling. Amen. Amen. So when things go wrong in society, when government does do goofy things, or if elections don't go the way we want, we don't go into a rage. We remain self-controlled. I don't mean we don't do anything. We don't pray and we don't do, but we don't do, we don't, obviously, we don't burn things. <laughs> We don't have violence or anything like that. We also don't start cussing. We also don't start meditating on negative things to where it, it eats us up. We say, Lord, you are still on the throne of my heart and my life. You will provide for me. You will make a way. I will do your will and I will trust you to guide me. But I will not be overcome with negativity. How does someone get free uh, from the past? Or when I say the past, I'm, I mean the past even if your past was an hour ago. Okay, how do you get free from this type of, of, of living? Uh, it's similar to the other things that we've talked about with, with lying and so forth, but I believe it starts with this. Number one, here's four things. Number one is sincerely repent before God. You go before him, but it is by his grace that you make a change. And I turn from that and I say, that's no longer who I am. I am a new creation in Christ. I repent and I turn from that wickedness and call it what it is. Say, well, it's just a struggle. Stop it. It's sinful. It's demonic. And say, I turn from that. Lord, with your grace and by your help, I'm walking away from that way of thinking and living. It is not a part of me any longer. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Number two, ready, is to refuse to identify with these behaviors. I don't label myself according to that action. Amen. In other words, I would, I would say it like people make excuses sometimes for behaviors. Like... Well, you know, you know and, and I'm talking about some of these issues of bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. Uh, you know, I'm Irish. 
I don't know how many Irish people are in the house. You're fine to be Irish. But that's not an excuse to be angry or to have a temper or something like that. Well, that's just, you know, that's in my family. Stop! You got a new family. You've been born again by the very blood of Jesus and are wa washed and made brand, brand spanking new. You have the DNA of God in your life. Come on now. I'm this. This is my... No. Stop it. All right. Or people will say like, I I'm just a passionate person. <laughs> well, use your passion for the things of God. <laughs> and uh, But that's... Again, not something we should say. Uh, or people will say, I, I just call it like I see it. <laughs> what are you doing, man? You're justifying your, your outrage, your, your lack of control. Yeah. Call it like you see it. That's not even faith. I mean, doesn't the scripture say that the Lord calls things that be not as though they were? Yeah. We're not calling it like we see it. We're calling it like it's supposed to be. Yeah. I call sickness healed. I call sin forgiven. I call darkness dispelled by light. But again, I don't want to use that kind of statement. It, it becomes a, a source of pride for people. Um, or just the straight up language, I can't control myself. Well, I just can't control myself. I get so angry. Arr, I just get so fed up and I just can't control myself and I do things. First of all, first of all, can I tell you two things? One, you're lying. Okay. Because you who can't control yourself, let's put you next to uh, some guy who's 6'5", 250, 300, solid as a rock, and standing there next to you saying, if you do that, I'm going to hit you. <laughs> Can you control yourself now? If someone were threatening you and they had the ability to follow through on their threat, could you control yourself? Would you suddenly find a sense of calm <laughs> and an ability to manage your emotions? Yes. So when we tell ourselves, first of all, I can't, I can't control it, I, I can't help it, we're, we're lying to ourselves and others. But secondly, if you're a believer, what do you have working in you by the Spirit of God? Self-control. So I can't ever say that. I don't ever want to use that and say, I can't control. I can. Come on now. Why, would, why are we putting our faith in God for the forgiveness of sin and eternal life, but we won't put our faith in God to help us conduct ourselves in a godly way? He's the same God and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Come on. The same power lives in us, and we can do this. Everybody say, I can. Control myself. And this is really step three in, in my list is to acknowledge who you are in Christ and, and do it out loud. Acknowledge out loud who you are in Christ, not what you've done, not your past, not your failure or weakness. Acknowledge who you are in Christ, strong in the Lord and the power of his might, Come on, filled with self-control. We can use these words that are in the verse. I am kind, tenderhearted and forgiving. Tell yourself, look in the mirror. Say, you are so, you are good looking. <laughs> and kind <laughs> and tender hearted 
and full of forgiveness. And say it and believe it while you say it. I, I, it's easy for me to forgive people. I mean, the people, the, the rudest, the worst, people that have done me the most harm, it's just so easy for me to forgive them. Say it and smile while you say it. Whether it's a person, a relationship, whether it's an institution or a government or something where you have been, feel you have or literally have been harmed in some way. So I'm just really good at this forgiveness thing. What is it? Yeah, it's God in me. But he, I, I do it just like God forgave me. I forgive other people. And I used to be like hard-hearted and mean and rough and angry and bitter. And now I just have this tender heart. See, this is what you should say, even if your past doesn't agree with what you're saying. You're identifying with the reality of who God has made you to be in Him. And I'm a tender-hearted person, full of kindness and forgiveness and love. I mean, I'm the sweetest person around. And say that even if you've been a mean rascal. Yeah? yeah you're going to have to exercise some self-control because you are so sweet and nice and generous, you might just give it all away. You might just empty your wallet today and just give it to everybody because you're, you're going to have to ask for the Lord to help you with self-control so you don't be too nice. <laughs> too generous. And that's really, the fourth step is what I'm saying is to actively show kindness and forgive forgiveness towards others. Find a way to do it active. In other words, you, you believe this, you say it, and then find a way to express it. That's how you, that's how you suck out the power of those negative emotions. You take them away, you deprive them of life by actually putting feet to what you're saying. I'm gonna find a specific avenue, a way where I can express love, forgiveness, kindness that contradicts the bitterness, the anger, the outbursts of wrath. I'm not going to let that live in me. I'm going to give to someone, forgive someone. I'm going to find a way to bless them and do what I wouldn't normally do. Amen. Amen. Through compliments, through actions, through giving. But this keeps those negative feelings from growing. All right. We're replacing it with actions that are true to our nature in Christ and who we really are. Hallelujah. Come on, you guys, this is a worthy walk. This is worthy of all of our attention to get in alignment with the spiritual reality and our outwork and our outwork of that, our walk of faith. Praise God. Praise God. Well, he's working in us today. Amen. He's helping us. Everybody say it out loud. Say, he's helping me. He's empowering me. Enabling me to walk in a worthy way. Yes, he is. Father, thank you for showing us, guiding us in accordance with your will and great plan.